Hey, bud. Man, I'm doing fabulous, man. Thanks, John, for having me. Appreciate it. No worries. It. No worries, man. All right, tell us a little bit about what you do. Oh, goodness. Well, you're going to find me through my brand, Bob Mortgage. So if you just search Bob Johnson, you'll probably find about a billion of us out there. But Bob Mortgage is my personal brand, and I do residential mortgages. been doing it for 22 years. I've been very blessed. Provided financing to over 26,000 families uh, from loans at $10 million all the way down to $40,000. First-time home buyers, people that need down payment assistance to help them get into the house for the first time, or just basically anyone that's uh, looking to... Uh, build a portfolio of, uh, of homes and increase their net worth. Nice. When yeah. did you start that? When did I start that? Why? Oh, why? <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, people sometimes say they had this passion or this this thing that they got they knew they were going to get into because it was something that was instilled in them or, or just... I kind of like looked into it. I was cold calling sales. I had a marketing management finance background from college and ended up door-to-door sales and knocking on 100... 100 doors a day and and I happened to get to a, a receptionist that I knew who the decision maker was and I said I made it a point to see Steve and she said oh you have an appointment to see Steve and I'm like yeah and sure enough Steve walks back he says I don't have an appointment with you but what are you doing here and I'm like oh well I didn't tell her I had an appointment I just said I made it a point to see you and he's like okay you're going to be good at this he said I do mortgages <laughs> I would love to uh, find out how I could get you in this business and like any good salesperson he reversed it I got into the mortgage business in September of 1996, and it was based on that that it helped me build um, a career, which I do now use more of my marketing management finance backgrounds from college than I did uh, selling door-to-door uh, long distance. Okay. So what kind of marketing do you do? What kind of marketing do I do? Mm-hmm. Man, we, we have... So we run a, a lot of different channels when it comes to uh, our business, so I believe you do have to diversify. So we get business from our real estate partners, our real estate and builder partners, and we do specific marketing to those individuals, whether that's um, hand-to-hand combat type stuff, you know, really old school analog analog type marketing. Um, we do uh, social media marketing tied directly to them to get them to understand who we are, what we do, and why we do it to then ultimately get them into a one-on-one meeting so they get to really see me and my team, understand the platform and business that we operate. Uh, we also market to uh, corporations. So we have a, a specific corporate marketing um, department that we go in and work with uh, HR managers, business owners, um, that we can help their employees understand the benefits of homeownership, uh, help the employee or the employer um, understand that you know people that own homes are better employees, that they're less likely to sk- uh, skip their, their job or, or come in late and things like that. So we do that through our educational platform directly through social on that one as well. Mm-hmm. And then we, we do a big, we have a big direct consumer uh, platform, which um, again is mainly uh, 99.9% driven through uh, all the social uh, uh, content uh, that we drive. We're just a big, if you follow me on my brand, Bob Mortgage, you'll understand we are huge into putting out content on a daily basis, distributing it out through uh, multiple channels, whether that's Facebook, it's it's uh, IG, it's it's LinkedIn. Um, you know, it's it's just understanding the mind space that they're going to be in, the type of content you want to put in there, and then and then doing it first for educational purposes. So we educate first. Uh, that's the big thing. We start giving a va- much as much value as we can, and then we come back once we understand that they they really like the content. Then we come in with asks for our, our, uh, our business. So it's a strategy of either building a brand or generating an ROI. Right. Okay, so how, especially because you're in the mortgage industry, and I know I, uh, I've, I've talked to a lot of different mortgage lenders out there, especially when it comes to social media, 
how do you run the gauntlet of all the compliance and everything else that you have to mess with with still, you know, um, running a mortgage business and still trying to give out a lot of social media content and yeah. stuff like that without like, oh crap. Yeah, no, that's, that's, <laughs> I'm sorry that's I didn't put my mortgage <laughs> lender number underneath it. Yeah, under, that's a, that's <laughs> under a great, the great question. So it's, it's, I'll answer it a couple of ways. One, as the as the mortgage originator, and if, if you're the one that's going to be on camera and you're going to be the one talking, mm-hmm. you have to know what is, is right and, and not right to say from a compliance standpoint. You have to be spot on on understanding compliance. Number two, um, in an editing piece, when you're when you're putting stuff out there, then you just have to have your disclaimers. You got to know what those are, and you make sure in, a, in, a, in the uh, editing side, those items are on there. And number three. I have a dedicated compliance person that just watches everything that I do. I mean, they, they do. They, they know. I'm Because I'm, I'm, I am somewhat unique in the fact that we put out, I mean, we could distribute content on, on multiple channels three, four, five, six, seven times uh, a day easily. And, you know, you get watched. And when you get watched, you've got to take that responsibility. And my company has stepped up and done that as well. They have people that follow me and watch me and everything that I do. And thankfully, um, I, I haven't, got myself in a position where I've said something I know the conversations where I need to pivot from mm-hmm. you know you, you need to be able to answer the question but at the same time know when to pivot and then adjust to a different type of conversation that you need to have to, to ultimately get the answer to that client nice yeah nice so what what's the ultimate goal the ultimate goal for Bob Mortgage well um, yeah for, for you your brand the whole nine yards yeah I mean uh, you know it, it is one it, it's it's to earn the trust of every single person out there that is in the real estate community and thinking about buying or selling real estate. I mean, that's, that's a huge community, right? That's pretty much everybody out there. It is to earn their trust and I'm going to earn it because I'm going to be uh, vigilant on my ability to be consistent with my education, give everything away for free. I know it's the long play. I'm going to win over time. I, I, I have no doubt about it. I don't see competition. I want everybody to succeed. A lot of out there people out there that are doing this, a lot of originators out there. I wish them all the best, but I will win over time because I commit to building the brand. I commit to giving everything away. It's about education. And then I know when to put in the ask because you can't give it all away if you're never going to, I mean, you can't give it all away if you're not making money, right? So at some point you've got to be able to ask, you got to be able to ask it at the right time. Um, multiple times, uh, but you've already engaged the audience because they know you like, you trust you because you're willing to give your content away. Now, ultimately from there, what we do, I mean, we do have, because we, we do get asked a lot by our agents, hey, you know, I would love for you to do this for me. Um, and we have this organization called RESPA that, you know, kind of prohibits us from giving away anything of value for free for the exchange of business. So I tell them, look, if I'm going to be in the, in the deal, in the video and all that kind of stuff, that's fine because it's my video. I'm going to do it. It's mine. I'm going to edit it. I'll give you options to distribute it out digitally. That's your right. Uh, but if you want me to build your brand personally, then you're going to have to pay us on the media side to actually do that because I have to. I had to separate it. So, you know, that's a big part for us and uh, doing that for for the media side. Uh, but ultimately, you know, it's it's just do what I've done for the next 22 years, uh, for the last 22 years, and do it even better every day. So when you're looking at like a long play. Okay, like what you're talking about right now. How do you, you know, like let's say that we're we're talking about a, a traditional, um, you know, thirty, sixty, ninety. We're kind of looking at targets and goals and stuff like that. But when you're looking at a long play, mm-hmm. where the difference can be, you know, instead of a 
really being able to evaluate clearly at 30, 60, 90, you're more, uh, you know, one year, two years, five years. How are, how do you determine your level of success at that when you're just looking at the long play before you're like, oh, crap, you know what? I've been doing this for, you know, <laughs> a year and I need to pivot and move somewhere else. Yeah, so my long play in, in my space is really probably 12 months. I mean, you know, you go out two to three years. I mean, this industry changes so much. There's so much coming in as far as disruption, which I love, by the way. Um, it's hard to go two to three years out as an individual producer that is in a cash flow type business. So it's six to 12 months is long play short. Short term could be 30 to 45 days. Medium term is going to be 60 to six months uh, type deal and everything else is long. So the way we're measuring it, I'm actually on my way over here talking to um uh, the lady that runs all my social media stuff for, for my team. And, you know, we're talking about that six to 12 month plan right now and some of the things that we're doing. And, and she's saying, you're spending a lot of money on this type of stuff. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm committed to it because I'm seeing the daily, the daily activity that we're generating as it relates to uh, people that are engaging, people that are filling out surveys, uh, people that are taking the next step. Now they may not be ready to buy and they aren't ready to buy. They're, these people that are out there in social land you know, they're, they're six to 12 months out as it is. Right. You know, we're trying to reach that customer before they get to the agent, before they've, they've actually made the decision to buy. They're actually in a state of mind right now where they woke up, they're with their significant other spouse and like, hey, man, we really need to get out of this house or this apartment or whatever. We want to buy a home. Should we call Sally, our agent friend? They're like, no, let's just look online. Right, that's kind of where they are with this process. So they're six to 12 months out, so they're gonna start looking online first. They may even find a house before they ever get in touch with Sally, their, their real estate friend. So what I'm trying to do is engage with them with content that is purely educational or inspirational, and then drip on them with the right type of, of, of educational funnel campaigns to get them to then raise their hand and take action. If they're 30, 45, 60 days out, from that period of six months to say, now I'm ready to actually get serious about, about buying a home. So I'm gauging more of the, the little daily incremental type action, um, actionable steps that they're taking, not necessarily am I generating revenue or am I converting it to a closed loan? It's too early in the process to do that and look at conversions that way. I'm looking at it a lot differently. So whether they're downloading uh, my my app where they can search the MLS through me as a mortgage professional, whether they're, um, they are filling out surveys, um, telling me what they're looking for, whether they're engaging in my online webinars and doing those types of things. I mean, what are they taking steps to do so that I know ultimately I'll get them when they're ready in six months to buy? So how are you tying your analytics back to the specific media? How are we tying our analytics back? Right, to because it? You're, you're talking about like you know yeah. an uptick. Because I mean, because I mean, if you're talking about like an like an uptick in like downloads or something else, I mean, you could be being carried by the market as easily as it could be, um, at, you know, at, uh, you know, at your your media, unless you are like specifically being able to track like you know, guess what? I had a pixel on this video. It then tracked back over so to to yeah. this download. So we're using the pixels to help us be able to track and then do our lookalike audiences to help us understand, okay, they, this one, this audience is actually performing better. Then let's run these, these types of ads. Right, to like get some basic audience. A-B testing. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're pretty sophisticated for just being our own little personal brand and running it, but we're not, you know, we're not, um, lights out like super, um, super sophisticated as it gets kind of gets into that. There's a lot of learning that we're going through and that's the best way I found uh, to do this. Cause 
I, this is new, all new to me. I mean, we started doing this type of stuff in 2016 on the video side heavily, but then really didn't get into the direct consumer space and running these ads and understanding pixels and all these kind of things until recently in the last eight, eight months, we've really been going hard at it. And it's been a lot of learning, right? I mean, I think that's have been, yeah. has been great for me because I don't mind spending money as long as I'm learning uh, and not giving it to somebody where I'm not, I don't know what's happening. I'm not being educated coming back. So what's the biggest mistake that you've made in the last eight months? Uh, on on the ad stuff yeah, or yeah. or what? I'll, I'll take I'll, I'll take the ads first, and we'll go to the other one second. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, I mean, people will tell me the biggest mistake I made was I started spending money generating leads, uh, people that were actually wanting stuff and not doing anything with it. Mm. Um, I didn't I didn't I didn't work on the conversion. I was like, look, at the end of the day, I'm more interested in the acquisition of the lead. Can we create content ads? Um, can we do this and get actually people's attention to the where they will actually respond for an ROI? Because my my space was really where I started out the video piece was getting people's attention to build a brand. Okay, I had been in the space for 20 years or, or 8 to 19 years back then, but it really wasn't it wasn't in the space that I am in today. I'd built mortgage companies and, and health and dental and vision 401k companies and and not doing what I do today. So I entered 2016 with no contacts, no business, no revenue, no agents, nothing, right? No client base. And so I had to build it from scratch. And I also had a little bit of a um, um, ego coming from that to this. And I didn't want people to not know who I was, but literally they had no idea who I was. So I took to what I felt was the best um, uh, media to distribute it at, which was going to be video and saying, let's just give away all the knowledge. Let's just put it out there. Maybe enough people will watch it like it and that way I don't have to introduce myself when we try to get an appointment with right. an agent right so that's the way we started this has been different because we're actually expecting something in return I wanted my return needed to be dollars but first I needed to see if my content was going to be um, engaged uh, with by uh, a consumer audience I knew the realtors I knew the builders I know those people loved it but I didn't know consumers would care right you know and th so that's that's where we went. We started to get response, and I did nothing with the uh, with the client. So I had to build out a consumer direct team now to where they actually will start. They start calling. So we have a three by three, you know, call, text, email type response plan that we work on to try to generate uh, these people into actual buyers. Nice. Okay. So what was your other mistake? Last eight months, there was there was two. There was one that hit your I'm, face. I'm, I'm sure there was. I'm, I'm sure I didn't say yes, dear, enough to my wife. So sorry, babe. I'm sure there was that moment where I didn't say yes, dear, when I should have. And you know, we we've actually been married 22 years and worked together for uh, for 22 years. So I had to learn really early on in life that um, while I thought I was in control, the reality was a better person was, and that was her. Uh, so anytime we've had our our um, you know. Anytime we've had really good successes, I've probably been I've probably been the individual that got too big for the success. Mm -hmm. And anytime we've had the, the challenges uh, in our lives being an entrepreneur, you have those over 22 years. She's been the foundation that says, "No, you're going to be able to pull through this. And this is what you're going to do." Right. So there's really good, really dynamic, there. really good dynamic, really good great stories that we share and talk a lot about with people because it, it really connects us with with them. And we've we've done really well, and we've had our share of really big challenges that we've had to face. But all in all, every day we stay true to each other. We we stick through it, and we've always come out uh, in a better place because of it. Nice. 
Okay, so I I have these little cards here. I love these cards because they're just a bunch of different questions that I have no idea what's going to come up <laughs> on the questions. <laughs> oh, Brandon, I like this, man. This is going to be fun. Um, what does success mean to you? Um, happy, happy wife, happy family, happy life. I mean, success is just all that about being happy um, every single day. And, and the people say money doesn't buy happiness, but I'll tell you, you can do a lot with it. But first and foremost, you got to be in the right frame of mind. Uh, to be able to help more people, to get what you want out of life. Who made you? Oh, I make myself every day. Um, if money were no concern, how would you lead life differently? If money were no concern, mm-hmm. I would do it bigger and better than I've ever done before. I mean, I wouldn't lead it any differently. I would still raise my kids the exact same way. I'd still be, be married to my, my wife of 22 years. Uh, we would just do it on a much bigger uh, scale. Why? Because we would have the ability to uh, spend more in the areas where we can gain the most attention to yield the highest return on that attention, where we're doing very, very well with the money that we spend today. But if I had the ability to, let's say, have Quicken Loans kind of money, they couldn't compete with my ability to connect with people on an individual level. They're so big that they're looking at it at a, at, a, at, a, at a much more corporate scale. But the reality is that people do business with people. And if you can use that for good at an individual level, you're going to go so much further. So I think that's, that's ultimately where, where, for me, it would lie. So, but my, my question is for you. Oh, is like, oh, I didn't answer that right. <laughs> so so why, why does big equal better for you? Oh, impact. Big, big, big but, is... Okay, so why does, why does impact matter? Well, because that's how you should be measured, not by the dollar or the bank account or anything else. Your your ability to impact others and make a difference in their life is ultimately how you should measure your own success. Um, it, it is. I mean, if you if you truly care about what you do, what I do is put. I get it. I put people into debt, right? But if I care about what I do, then I got to be able to to impact more people around the educational side of what this debt is, the good side of this debt, how to ultimately get out of it, and then how to ultimately leverage it for good for their personal benefit, their net worth, their family, their future, whatever it's going to be. So it comes back to impact, success. So that's what I'm I'm getting at, right? Because when when you were first talking about like what, when I asked you like what, what success was, and you were like, Family is basically, uh-huh. basically family, 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 sure. um, you know, life. And then your second answer is basically like impact. So sure. in, in some in like so that's really where your where your core is. In that, yeah, in that I mean, sense. I can impact their life a whole lot better, too. I mean, the more the more successful we are at impacting other people's lives, the ability for my ability to impact my kids lives or my wife's life um, in, in other areas other than the emotional connection or the spiritual connection or things like that can, uh, can change. I mean, they have the ability to take my foundation and via foundation where we're all about transforming individual lives, emotional, physical, financial, and spiritual. Those things can actually have a more significant reach on a global scale than what it is that we do today just in Costa Rica. So, I mean, it's, but it's got to start with helping other people somewhere, somehow. Right. Got it. Uh, what is a common misconception people have about you? <laughs> um, it, it is it is common that I, I am a um, I am 
uh, um, I'm hard. Like I'm a, I'm a very, a very business. That's all it's, all it is, is about the business, the bottom line. I don't care about people. Um, so that's the misconception. It is. No, no it's definitely not. It's definitely the misconception. <laughs> uh, people that get to know me, uh, actually know I'm the funniest guy in the office and the funniest guy in my family. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> Brandon's looking at me like, really, dude? No, but I am. I mean, I, I'm, I'm super funny. I'm, I care so much about people. Um, I just don't, because I don't water cooler talk. I, I'm, I'm on a mission. I have a business. I have a family. I have responsibilities to other people. And I don't have a lot of time just to chit chat. I don't have a lot of time just to, you know, make small talk and, and, and be that individual that's going to build into you in, in those, 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 those type of moments. I'll go deep and I'll go long with someone, but it's got to be on my terms. And I think that's where, that's where uh, the misconception uh, comes in. I, I really do want everybody to succeed, but at the end of the day, I hate losing more than I like winning, and I am not going to lose. I won't tolerate it, and I hate it. But I don't mind if you win, and that's really odd. I mean, I really want you to be successful if you're in my space, but my job, because I have people that count on me, that, that are responsible to what mm. I do every day, they don't count on me to lose. They count on me to win every deal. Right. And so that comes with a misconception. I'm an ass. I'm hard. <laughs> right? It is. I mean, and I don't know. I mean, maybe some of it is right, but, uh, but I, I am a very, a very caring nurturing person that probably is brought on more by my wife and my two daughters of 13 and 15 that have probably brought that to light more recently in the last five to eight years than than what it was prior to their uh, their arrival nice <laughs> what has been your favorite age so far and why favorite age so far and um why? okay so it, it um it definitely has evolved. I felt like my 20s, my late 20s, people were like, wow, dude, this guy's accomplishing so much in, in his business and in his personal life because of what they thought they saw and things like that. And I had created a, a, you know, two companies by that time. And then when I hit 30, it was like, well, this guy should already have it. So I felt kind of like, oh, wow. It wasn't that 30, like I was upset about being 30. It was more about they thought I should already be where I'm at, and I thought I was on a pretty good path. So I like my 20s more than my uh, my 30s. My 30s were hard. So your 20s were more delusional. Your your 30s, 30s were, were your wake up call. <laughs> yeah, your 30s were a wake up <laughs> call, man. That was that was the midlife crisis moment of it, like, oh well, you know, shit, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I had some challenges, man. I I put people into federal prison. I've lost millions and millions and millions of dollars. I've uh, Sold, got to sell companies and made good money, and also put companies into bankruptcy, and 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 so my 30s uh, were real, real tough on me. But it also shaped me to the person that I am today because, you know, it, it really taught me about forgiveness. Uh, it taught me about um, really allowing me to clear my mind and not worry about what others think and just be me and not really care about anybody else, meaning their, their, their thoughts or their judgments of who I, they thought I was. And ultimately, that allowed me to become the greatest version of who I am today at 48 years old. Um, I mean, today, I mean, my life today is freaking amazing. I mean, it is flat out awesome. And not because 
I've built these big businesses or sold any comp. It's just I'm living who I am. I have great people around me. I have two amazing daughters that play beach volleyball, and I see them every weekend play beach volleyball. Every weekend I get to travel and do that. I have an, just an awesome group around me, and it just just makes what I do easy. I wake up every day, and I'm like, dude, let's go knock this out of the park. I've got a guy that... Brandon, that's, that builds my brand, that's the brand championing of my organization that helps me put out content to stay true to who I want to be, which is the educational side of my brand. And, you know, I do loans. Help people. It's, it's a good version of me today right now. I'm very, very thankful and blessed. How are you making a difference in the world today? Uh, I'm not making a big enough difference in the world today as to what I would want to be doing. Um, I, I feel like I, I have... I have a platform, and as I said, I had those people around me, and I have, I have, for instance, Brandon, who runs the digital side, Jessica on the social side. I could be doing more today than what I'm doing, and it is a bit of a disappointment in my mind uh, that we're not. Um, and so I challenge me and my team and everybody to do better and more on me because I feel like I have this, this passion to communicate and we need to figure out more ways to distribute that communication, more ways to engage and connect and use these awesome social profiles that are free to do it where I don't have to go spend tens of thousands of dollars on trust reel type things that, you know, really at the end of the day won't, won't do it. So I may have went down a, a path that you didn't ask, but <laughs> do the question again well, well because well but here's the thing like so i think that any type of like a, a, a lot of us like um any type of high high d type a personality you know like we're we're pretty we're really brutal about it we're really pretty damn hard on ourselves about uh, the impact that we've had because we're always looking ahead and we're always sitting back there and going um like you know, well, shit. I could have done more. I could have been. I, I. I. could be more here. I could have done better here. I. You know. I. I oh my gosh. There's. There's all. There's that. There's that constant reel going inside your head. So. Um. So the. the but the question was was how are you actually making a difference, today? Okay. Not what you. Not what you didn't. What. What you haven't done because I mean, we're always sitting there. You know, kind of math judging ourselves, yeah. going like, could have done better. Could have. You know. Sure. I think the big the big thing I'm doing today is the distribution of content at a very consistent level on a daily basis through all social platforms. That is something that I'm doing that I didn't know I was going to be doing five years ago, 10 years ago. Hell, I mean, honestly, two and a half years ago at the frequency that we're doing it uh, today. So that is something I know um, I'm, I'm, I'm doing uh, differently today. So how is that impacting people in a positive light? Well, we get, we get the feedback. I mean, we get, we get feedback constantly uh, from agents that talk about how much they learned um, that actually helped them close a deal that I wasn't even the originator on. I mean, I, and they're like, thank you so much. I'm like, hey, that's awesome, man, thanks. I get originators that will comment and call me and say, hey, Bob, I really appreciate what you're doing. Thanks so much. Do you mind if I copy this and do it myself? I'm like, go for it. I mean, it, 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 I, I'm starting to get that kind of feedback. And I, I believe, I really only believe it's because I'm consistent at the level that, I, that we're, I mean, we're so consistent with it. And, and because Brandon's just an amazing guy and it looks, the editing's amazing, awesome. But um, we're consistent. They see it. It's in their face all the time. And they're like, damn, I guess I need to start doing this. And they do. Now, some of them don't. They stop because they don't have the ability to be consistent because it, it, that's, 
the hardest thing. It's easy to put out a video. It's hard to put out a video or two or three or five every single day uh, and, and, and not expect anything back in return because that's where they fail is they put out something, they expect something back, they don't get it, so they... All right, so this is going to be a fun question. Okay, gotcha. Describe your first lie in business. Holy crap, my first lie. Um, your first lie in business. <laughs> think how does that like the first lie? It's the first time you lied in your business. Um, well, I, I, th- I, think, I think it may have been uh, when I got fired from my job because I told my boss that, um, so, you know, I, I can't, I, if something happened, and I think I just honestly had a really good morning with my wife today, and I didn't want to go into the office. <laughs> and you're just like, sorry, babe. <laughs> I'm, I'm staying at home. <laughs> Made that one up. Um, yeah, I, I call and say, oh, you know, I'm not feeling well and all that kind of stuff. And truthfully, we we just had a really good morning, uh, and uh, and we laid in bed the whole morning, and then I didn't go in, and that's when I, uh, that's when I, that's actually when I got fired from that job, which ultimately got me into selling long distance, which got me into the business. So I gotta say thanks, man. Oh, the great morning to take off. Um, wow. That was that was a good. <laughs> yeah, I well, skipped I over that back. one like four I, or five I, times. I was like putting it back to the back of the room. <laughs> like, yep, we're done. Like, that's I did, a I brutal one. That, that was a that was a ninety four. <laughs> so I got, I graduated college in ninety three. So that was pretty early on in my career. I think that was in ninety four when that happened. Um, let's see. All right, what is your favorite place in the world? Favorite place in the world. St. Bart's. St. Bart's. Yeah. Why? Just great memories with my wife and I. Just walking the beach, uh, be- as beach house, walking the beach, shopping, just carefree. Um, phones didn't work. <laughs> Couldn't nobody could reach me. Um, I mean, it was it was just a really it was, it was an amazing, amazing time that we had, and we've only been there once. And that was a while back, and it stays in our mind all the time as to why or where we would want to go and why we want to go there for that experience again. And and we'll be doing that sooner rather than later. But for me and her, it's probably our favorite place. Um, what gives you hope? Hope? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, faith. Uh, my faith. Uh, gives me the hope, all the hope that I need to know that, that I'm going to wake up tomorrow, and if I don't, then I'm in a better place. Uh, but uh, definitely, my my faith gives me uh, the the hope that I need that I'm here and been put here to uh, make this a better place, uh, serve more people, be a better father, be a better uh, husband than what I was and have been uh, every day. So. I think that's pretty simple. Faith. Yeah. Okay. This is my last question off of this deck. Uh-oh. Let me just go back to my head, which is even worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, what non-physical traits do you find attractive in other human beings? Questions. So I find you very attractive. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's the beard. It is the beard. <laughs> I want to tug on it. <laughs> um Definitely their ability to to ask questions is huge for me. Their ability to bring solutions, not challenges. Um, It's really mindset. I mean, it's strength 
in your mind. It's your, it's your ability to believe in yourself so much so that nobody can influence you. Nobody can influence the drive, the, 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 where you're headed. Nobody can influence anything. I don't care if it's a coach, if it's uh, um, your, your mentor, if it's your boss. You, you, the, the person that has, to, to me, the most, that's the most attractive is the one that, uh, and attractive not in a physical stance, but that, that has that ability just to be so confident in themselves, but also be in a place where they're willing to ask questions to learn and then go execute and implement. Uh, I think those are going to be the, the, the biggest non-physical traits. Nice. Yeah, it's good. That's good. Yeah, it's a good answer. Oh, thanks, man. Um, so when you were, so I know we talked about it a little bit earlier. We were talking about like um, how people perceive you, different things like that. Um, it's something that I've been actually learning in my own life. It, you know, like the different levels of taking responsibility for communication. Okay. And we actually had a communication expert on here the other day, which was really fun. Um, but one of the things we were talking about was specifically like you know, there's. Um, taking responsibility for what you say, there's taking res- responsibility for what you, um, the way you said it, and then there's one other level past that, uh, which was taking responsibility for how people took it. Hundred percent. So when you're looking at like, so when you're looking at like, you know, how people sometimes have perceived you, how have you changed um, your message or dynamic in order to be able to communicate effectively? to groups of people so that they don't see you as brash or arrogant or um, or non-caring when when the opposite is actually true. So it goes back to understanding that it's not what you say. It is more about how you say it because people only care really is what we should look at is about how do they feel. It's the feeling. We talk about being in mortgage or whoever's in real estate or whatever industry you're going to be in, they don't care about anything other than their one, their deal, right? You know, so I got to build systems and processes around all that kind of stuff. And it kind of came back to the communication piece um, is build everything around making sure people feel great. And that starts with understanding every action has a reaction. And so when somebody asks a question, you have to anticipate the answer or the next, or not anticipate the answer, provide the answer, but anticipate the next question that's going to come from your answer, right? And the better that you can proactively answer that question before they ever ask it, you win because that's going to make them feel great about working with you. And so for me... So that's on a consumer's side standpoint. Uh-huh. Yep. So what about on a on a personal standpoint because most of our interactions are are reflections of the of the, of the of your, kind of your personal outlier like how your employees understand uh-huh. you how your other people understand you around your life so like okay so um a couple of weeks ago we gave you like an example um uh there's an episode that we did uh with a lady by the name of uh, Alyssa dyer um she is she very much cares about people but she realized like um she wasn't uh, effectively like no one felt like she actually cared for them at all right and so she did something which i thought was 
freaking brilliant. Um, mm -hmm. And it just made me cringe because I, I didn't want to think about having to do that every day. Um, was that she wrote down at the end of the day, she took the time and um, wrote down every day uh, each person that she had an interaction with on that day and whether that she left them with a positive or negative experience at the end of each day. Why or why not did she believe so? And then she double checked on each one of them. And then based off of that system, she realized how how she could communicate. So she was still insanely effective because she's a, she's a systems girl. She's right. incredible at systems, um, but still be able to have the effective communication and engagement to be able to move forward, which was like for, for me on my side, I was like, holy yeah. crap. That's a lot of work. That is a lot of work. <laughs> but ultimately she was, her, her reasoning was, um, not only did she care about people, but like, it didn't matter how good your systems were. It didn't matter how much how good your content was. That if people weren't engaging, and if they weren't receiving the message as well, um, then it didn't matter how much you could actually help them if they weren't engaging with it. So, Mike, so I'm passing that question back to you and kind of going like, how how have you kind of avoided I, this misstep? Okay, or is it still so a journey? I, yeah, still definitely still a journey. But what I did learn was to become a better listener. Because if, if you know, I would already have the path that I was going to go down as the high D leader, right? I mean, I already knew where I was going before. Wagons Westward, high off. Exactly. Let's go. And nobody, <laughs> nobody had to get in the room and tell me what I needed to do. I just went, right? I right. executed. But what I found was the more I listened to people, the more I took in their input and truly listened, right? I mean, not just lip service listening. I mean, you truly listen. So how do you do that? How do you do that? Mm -hmm. Oh, you, so you, how, how do you truly listen when so you, many of us are you, you making are, chess moves? You're like present. Five, you're a hundred percent present. You have to be, if you're truly care about your people and you're in the team and your associates and everything that are around you, when they have an opinion, you have to stop, be present and listen, but then you also have to provide them guidance as to why that won't work. I like it here's why this doesn't fit the model or the plan or where we're headed, but I really appreciate it because if they don't feel like you heard them or you dismiss it by not responding to them, then you've lost them forever. So you have to be a really, really great listener. It starts with being present, and then it's the follow-up that comes with, with after their, their concern or their um, a piece of advice to you because... I've gotten my share of advice, right? And before, early on, yeah, 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 that sounds great. And I would go do it. And that's probably where that misconception came from. Even though I was caring, I just didn't really pay much attention to it because I was busy doing other things and I had to move forward. Now it's like, whoa, stop, listen. Wow, that's really good. Now maybe it actually puts me in a better place and puts the team in a better place because I actually listened to what they said and implemented it. But then there are times when I'm like, hey, you know that, that's really good. Here's why this doesn't work. And then that actually gets them more on board with our goal and our plan. If you could give five pieces of universal advice to someone in that's um, either that's in business, currently in business, what would they be and why? Five pieces. Wow. Okay. So I'll start with mindset. 
that you have to believe you can do whatever it is that you want to do. You have to believe. Okay? Number two, you have to be coachable because there are going to be times when you believe it, but you can't. Right. You suck. And Congratulations. Yeah. You need to figure out a different Exactly. Different and on. you need to be coachable so that you, you can become successful. The third is you have to understand the difference between failure and failing forward. Failure is you stopped and quit. You gave up. You didn't, you didn't do anything to move yourself forward. Failing forward is that opportunity where you learned how not to do it and you go back and do it again a different way and you achieve some type of forward progress right. so that you can continue to move forward. Um, number four, um, try a lot of different things. You know, depending on depending on where they are in their in their business career, um, they need to diversify their business career as much as possible so that they could truly learn what it is that they really, 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 really love to do. And then probably number five, when you find it, go on, be great at it. Don't don't try to be a phenomenal mortgage uh, advisor and then go try to start a Mexican food restaurant and then go do something completely different in a different industry. You're going to be too... Um, you're just constantly on a learning you're, curve. You're exactly, and you're on a learning curve and you're never going to be great at that one thing that you found that you said you could make the biggest impact uh, at. And then I guess the, the bonus one would be... Um, you know, do it with a, a servant's heart and pay back those that have helped get you there uh, along the uh, along the way. I mean, there, there's so many, man. Embrace disruption. <laughs> I mean, you've got to be willing to disrupt what you're doing, disrupt the industry. Embrace others, dis other dis others, people, other people disrupting what you do, because that's where true learning comes from. Because that's when you're going to get the most uncomfortable. And at that moment, if you can truly become the most uncomfortable at it you become comfortable doing it. Um, I, I think that those are probably six or seven different ones, but those are, those are right off the top of my head. Nice. Great. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Um, guys, if you want to see more of his stuff, go check out uh, Bob Mortgage. You got it on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, Bob Mortgage. Cool. And uh, take a look. Um, guys, until next time, also uh, uh, check out Hero Nation. You can find us, of course, on, on any kind of podcast you want to look at. Uh, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, it's all there. Uh, you can also check us out at TheHeroNation.com. Dude, I really appreciate you coming in. Yeah, man, it was awesome. I really appreciate yeah. all the questions, man. That's tough. I'm on the hot seat over here. Woohoo! All right, <laughs> guys, good. until next time, be your own hero.